of the Albany Law School podcast. I'm Ben Myers, Associate Director of Communication and Marketing here at Albany Law School. On this edition of the podcast, we're talking with Jonas Caballero from the class of 2025, president of the class of 2025, and just one of the most candid heartfelt, thoughtful people that we've had on the show. So really interesting conversation for anybody out there who follows along this week on the show. Reminders, though, before we get to it, albanylaw.edu slash COVID-19. We know the stages of the pandemic have been changing. Just keep up to date with all of our policies and procedures by visiting that page, albanylaw.edu slash COVID-19. If you like this episode of the podcast, you want to hear more from our students, then you can subscribe on any of the major podcast services or check out our SoundCloud account. Our entire archive is there. And to keep up with the day-to-day here at Albany Law School, social media is the best way to do that. Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. We are on all the different platforms. All right. Really looking forward to everybody hearing this one. Let's talk to Jones. Albany Law School podcast with Jonas Caballero, class of 2025. Jonas, thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate you uh, taking some time to talk to us. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, it, it's we just love having students on the podcast. They're just it, we have such a dynamic student body here, and you, sir, are definitely part of that. Uh, president of the class of 2025, our first year class here and we just started a couple weeks ago we're just recording here in early october how has the school year gotten going for you uh so far so good the school year is going living the dream (laughs) and and we actually were talking uh earlier this week by email and can you just tell everybody what what you have in store for us on monday yes so on monday In celebration of World Mental Health Day, we are having some therapy dogs on campus. The 1Ls are having their midterms that week. I'm not sure if 2L and 3L have midterms that week too, but um, we have teamed up with Therapy Dogs International to have some, some therapy dogs right outside of the West Foyer lawn on Monday, October 10th from 12 to 1 p.m. Have you been surprised by anything to starting your law school career? Nobody told me there'd be so much reading. What's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I knew there'd be a lot of reading. I've been surprised by the uh, sort of level of camaraderie, I think, between the students. I mean, it's such a competitive landscape, you know, but I've noticed that students are willing to go well above and beyond to make sure that no one's been left behind in terms of reminding people about assignments, giving suggestions and advice on school-related stuff and non-related school, non-related school stuff. So that's been surprising to me just how how willing and able everybody's is to keep everybody updated and abreast of what's going on. We have a lot of students on here, especially from the 1L class, who go straight from undergrad to join us here at Albany Law in grad school. Just doing a little bit of a background with you as we've been working up to the podcast here. Some people might call you a, a non-traditional student. Could you share your journey with us to joining us here at Albany Law? I kind of have 
been doing things in reverse when it comes to my academic studies. When I was an undergrad, I was labeled a non-traditional student because I didn't get into undergrad until I was 28 years old. I became a journalist and lived in the Middle East for a couple years prior to getting into school for Middle Eastern studies and journalism. So I was on the ground working in the Middle East as a journalist before I actually studied journalism and Middle Eastern studies. Similarly to my introduction into my law school tenure, uh, I had been working as a jailhouse lawyer. So I was incarcerated and I learned about prison law and about prison litigation prior to actually ever dreaming about studying for the LSAT or to apply to various law schools. And so I had had some experience working as a pro se litigant in New York, both in federal district court and also in New York State Court of Claims. So I kind of did things in reverse. I got my foot in the door uh, into various courtrooms and dealing with various uh, state and federal claims before I actually decided to pursue a law degree after I was released from incarceration back in 2019. Well, as a former journalist and writer myself, what were you working on in the Middle East? I was working as a human rights activist in the occupied Palestinian territories. I was working for a Palestinian-Israeli human rights organization that was based in Ramallah, Palestine. And so I was basically on the front lines during protests and demonstrations that were happening inside the West Bank. And so I was reporting and covering those various protests and demonstrations. I was the head of the, the media department for the International Solidarity Movement which was the organization that I work with in Ramallah. So anytime we had new volunteers that were coming into the West Bank to work with our organization, I would basically train them in the art of journalism from the front lines. Now, I also saw that you worked for the Abolitionist Law Center. Is, is that correct? Yes. Can you tell us more about it? Yes. So... The Abolitionist Law Center, the ALC, they are amazing. They are a public interest law firm that is based in Pennsylvania. They have offices in Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, and they are basically committed to ending mass incarceration. And to that end, they also work with prisoners who are filing lawsuits against the prison system, both in the jails and Pennsylvania state prisons, for claims such as various conditions of confinement claims. So the ALC represents prisoners both individually and in class action lawsuits that are challenging conditions, unconstitutional conditions of confinement. And they are also trying to, for example, change Pennsylvania's draconian felony murder statute in which a person is uh, basically sentenced to death by incarceration if they do not intend to take someone's life, but in the commission of a related felony, somebody does lose their life. So persons that are sentenced under the felony murder statute basically 
are sentenced to die in prison, even though they had no intention to take a life. In addition to all these things that the ALC works on, they also represent prisoners in compassionate release petitions. So people who have less than a year to live and who have a terminal illness, um, they work with um, these individuals to try to have a state judge release them on a compassionate release under the compassionate release statute of Pennsylvania. And you have all these experiences in the real world, but then you decided to come to Albany Law School. What made this the right fit for you? I, when I was incarcerated, I was uh, incarcerated at Green Correctional Facility, which is near Albany. And while I was incarcerated, I experienced several constitutional rights violations. These were dealing with mental health, health discrimination, and also I experienced a case stemming from the state's violation to my right to privacy. And so my civil court cases in which I represented myself, these all took place in both Albany Court of Claims, which is in Albany, and also in the Northern District of New York District Court, which is also in Albany. So when I was released from incarceration, I basically decided I wanted to sort of reclaim my story. And I had applied to Albany Law School, uh, catering my personal statement to these facts surrounding my pro se litigation in state and federal court. And also, you know, I catered my personal statement to show that I, I wanted to be in the reign, take control, be at the reins of, of my story. And so I wanted to come to Albany Law School so that, one, I could be in the locality where my cases, which are, are presently in state and federal court, and also so that I could, I could take that next journey in my life uh, as someone who was formerly incarcerated and do that from the same county and city where I had previously uh, been subjected to state uh, violations to my privacy rights and also to my right to be treated non-discriminatorily. No, you've, you've described things that, of course, have these huge, tough transitions in life, just just straight up in life. But one thing we hear from students a lot, now yourself being one of those, is there's a real tough transition from undergrad to law school. You mentioned reading before just being one of those things. As somebody dealing with this transition now, maybe from a different point of view, what have been some of the biggest challenges of you since you started law school? I would say some of the biggest challenges or the biggest challenge for me has been finding time to sort of effectuate that work-life balance. We were taught during orientation basically that the old guard is out and that the new guard is in. In that sense, what that what we took that to mean is that we need to make sure that self-care is a key component of our lifestyles. Make sure that you get sleep, make sure that you're taking time to be with friends, family, and that it's not all work and no play. So it's for me, it's been finding that time to really find that work-life balance. One part of that, just to make your life a little more complex, of course, 
<laughs> is that you wanted to be part of class leadership. Why did you want to get into class leadership? I guess let's start there. When I was an undergrad, I did have a, a role in leadership. I was the president of Students for Justice in Palestine uh, at the University of Pittsburgh. So I did that for two and a half years as the president of SJP. And I was pretty good at it. I mean, we had many events. We had lots of speakers that came in. We held plays, concerts, uh, photo exhibits. We basically ran the gamut in terms of the types of events that we organized. I really enjoyed being a voice for the voiceless, which is what I was doing working on the ground in Palestine, was sharing uh, with the world the stories that I was seeing from the front lines. So I didn't quite have the intention to run for uh, student government until orientation happened. And I had heard during orientation some pretty insensitive and racist things, actually, that were um, spoken by incoming 1Ls, including some insensitive words towards people who are struggling with drug addiction and mental health. I felt that these kind of comments were out of place, especially for a law school setting. And I decided to try to combat that by being a presence for those who have struggled with mental health and with drug addiction. As somebody myself who has struggled with these things, I wanted to make sure that I had a presence on SBA uh, to be able to represent folks who were who have struggled with these kind of things in the past. I ran on a platform as the first formerly incarcerated candidate to run for SBA. I was really happy to be elected and to serve as um, a person, to serve as that person who could uh, represent these marginalized communities. No, just for, for my information here more than anything else, it's more of a logistical question. How does this all work? Uh, you obviously, you showed up for orientation that was in late August, and we're speaking you know, maybe six weeks later, and you're already president of the class. So how do you go from uh, showing up day one to president of the class? <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, logistically, it was, you know, you get through orientation, and then you receive word that student elections, SBA elections are coming up. And then you basically take a moment to decide, is this really something that you have passion and time for? Um, I definitely had the passion in terms of deciding whether I had the time for it. I wasn't quite sure what was required of members of SBA at the time of applying. I do have interest in the moot court competition. I have served as a uh, client in the, uh, in the moot court trial so far twice. And so it was a question of like logistically figuring out first you have the passion to do it and I could check that box easily. And then it was the logistics of figuring out do you have the time to do it. And so SBA meets twice uh, every other week. And in addition to that, there's various committees that we serve on. So, uh, you know, you just decide if it works for you. And I decided it could work for me and it has worked so far. And we'll see, you know, what's to come. There's still a lot more events and meetings coming up this year. So I think I think uh, I can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> so far, so good. We got the therapy dogs on their way in on Monday, right? So <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> what, what else are you looking forward to 
in that class leadership role for the rest of this academic year? Do you have any big events that the class would like to do, or is it more uh, these wellness kind of things? Yeah, I mean, wellness was a big part of not only my campaign, but several of the other Wenel senators. So those events are definitely on our radar for the rest of the year. We also plan on having some more coffee, coffee and donut events throughout the remaining of the semester. Of course, we're for next semester, we, we will have our welcome back party, which we're still in the process of tossing around ideas. So there will be more things to come. Uh, just keep an eye out for those. And for yourself personally, you've been so candid, and we really appreciate that here on the podcast with us so far. But you, you know, you have these academic responsibilities, responsibilities of the class. So, what are you looking forward to the most for yourself this upcoming academic year? That's a great question. I'm just looking forward to to killing it. You know, I, <laughs> great answer. <laughs> I have I have a great study buddy. And she and I are just like, we're trying to wrap our head around all these topics. Contracts is our, our biggest hurdle because we just don't have much experience in the world of contracts. However, when it comes to torts and when it comes to civil procedure, we have, uh, as paralegals, both she and I have dealt with these topics uh, quite extensively. So we're just looking forward to killing it, you know, taking something that we have no real familiarity with and really owning it. So that's what I'm looking forward to. All right. Now, one thing that I'm sure if we asked you this during orientation, you'd look forward to, but now you're here, is the lightning round of the Albany Law School podcast. It's what every person that comes to Albany Law School looks forward to. Are you ready for this? I think so. Let's do it. All right. Here we go. First one up. Now, we do extensive background analysis of all the guests here on the podcast. And um, among that dossier that we put together on everybody that shows up on the show, we found out, and you can confirm or deny this, that you're a juggler and a fire spinner. Is that is that true? (laughs) I was scared there for a second. Um, Yes, (laughs) uh, that is definitely true. You got to tell us more about this. How did you get into that? What it, what is a fire spinner? <laughs> so, how I got in. So, how do where do I begin? So, after nine eleven happened, and the U.S. started to engage in their military operations in Iraq and Afghanistan, I sort of stumbled into a a troop of street performers in Pittsburgh, and I had no idea how to do any circus skills prior to that, but I met this group called the Circus Against Western Imperialism, and they basically took me under their wing and taught me the art of juggling and fire spinning. Fire spinning is like, that's the joy of my life. It's poi, P-O-I, which is basically like a ball on the end of a, a chain, and you can dip that ball in like kerosene, for example, and light it on fire and spin those things around into what is called fire spinning or fire dancing. So with the Circus Against Western Imperialism, uh, we would basically go to different protests and demonstrations against the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. And it was a way to lure people in to our vicinity where we could then hand out information about the traumatic and drastic effects of 
bombing other countries and what it means for the people actually living on the ground in those countries. So that's how I got into the wonderful world of juggling and fire spinning. <laughs> it's it's an incredible skill. I don't think we've ever had a juggler slash fire spinner on the podcast before. <laughs> so you're, you're breaking more barriers. Oh, great. I'm glad. <laughs> All right. Now, I think I might know the answer to the, our second lightning round question here with the therapy dogs coming in. What's your favorite animal? Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I I try. I I can't even come up with anything else. I've had dogs all my life from the time I was born. I had Butkus, who was named after Dick Butkus. He was a German Shepherd slash Doberman Pinscher. I went on to have a full German Shepherd after that named Bear. After that, I had a Basset Hound named Sadie. And currently, I have an emotional support animal named Bardo who is a Pomeranian Chihuahua, who is just the love of my life. And so if I were to choose any other favorite animal besides a dog, he would be so upset with me. <laughs> now, I hear some Chicago Bears references in there, but you're from Pittsburgh. So are you a Bears fan or a Steelers fan? Oh, if, if my mom heard you ask that question, I am a hardcore Steelers fan. Okay, good. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm a Bills fan, so that's okay. You know, this Sunday, I mean, we can we just won't be friends for like three hours on Sunday. Then we can go back to being friends after that. Yeah, that's okay. We can let the Sunday slide. <laughs> what do you think, uh, the new guy, the the rookie from Pitt? I mean, you went to Pitt, right? I did. I went to Pitt. Um, he's well, he'll get there. Yeah, he's young. He's got a long yeah. long way to go. Yeah, he'll get there. <laughs> All right, Jonas, last one here. Our final question of the podcast, always the same question, regardless of who the guest is. Is there anything you'd like to say to the Albany Law School community? I just, I have two things. Like, thanks for welcoming welcoming me with open arms. You know, with, with a criminal record, it was quite a journey to get into a place with the character and fitness questions. I had to apply to 20 schools before I could finally land on one that would um, accept me. So I just wanted to, to say thank you to the Albany Law School community for this wonderful opportunity to be here. And also, secondly, to be able to represent the 1L class. And so for any folks who are out there listening, you can come to me for anything, any questions. People can come to me in the hall or reach out to me through the group me. Any concerns that you have, I have no qualms with bringing them to the higher ups. You know, I have brought qualms while I was incarcerated to the wardens of the jails and the prisons I was at, which often got me into some sticky situations. This obviously is not that same kind of situation. Nevertheless, if anyone has any problems with anything at all, I'm here for you. I'm all ears. Just let me know. Jonas, thank you so much for being on the show. Just your candor and your potential here with us at Albany Law School. We're, we're, we're really excited to have you here and are really excited to see what you can do with us here and beyond. So thank you. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here.